Hello, I'm Jim, and this is On the Left Side, the funny football show. Newport lead again. The team from League Two has knocked out the team that sits seventh in the Premier League. As if you haven't already had enough football over the Christmas period, here comes On the Left Side to shove it unwantedly down your throat, just like Cristiano Ronaldo in a hotel room. Uh, allegedly. With the festival of football that flooded the festive period, it's no surprise that many missed the shock announcement from the Premier League that despite us only being just over halfway through the domestic season, the winner of this year's competition would be decided in last week's game between City and Liverpool. Uh, that didn't happen, Jim. Didn't it? Certainly seemed like everyone thought that. We all love an overhyped game, and there was no doubt that this clash between the two favourites for this year's league title was a big one, and an overhyped big one at that. But it did seem like everyone got a little bit carried away, didn't it? The game finished, as I'm sure you know, 2 1 to Manchester City, meaning the blue half of Manchester closed the gap at the top to just four points. And a few scousers probably got a little bit twitchy about that Champions 2018 19 tattoo they got back in May. But the big talking point from the game was the goal that wasn't. A defensive mix-up resulted in a last-ditch goal-line clearance from John Stones, which was judged to have not crossed the line by a mere 11 millimetres. <laughs> 11 millimetres! And it resulted in some world-class straw-clutching from Liverpool fans, who were out in force on Twitter, blaming many things for the goal not being given. FA corruption, virus-infested goal-line technology, and my personal favourite from at CJames203, who said, Let's be serious. Last night's defeat isn't Lovren's fault. It's the feckin' twat who painted the lines. They don't look standard thick this to me. They've gone too wide and should be measured by an independent adjudicator. City should face retrospective action. I'd like to think he's taken the piss, but I'm actually not sure. The reason I'm not sure is because I think Liverpool fans might all be mental. I say that purely because of the massively over-the-top reaction to Dejan Lovren's performance that was largely getting the blame for the defeat. Now, let's remember, this is a man who once said this. People saying I had a difficult season, but I don't agree with that. And uh, I think people should recognise that I'm also one of the best defenders in the world. So part of me thinks he kind of deserves what he gets. But what he probably deserves is some light ribbing on social media that calls him a pound shop Phil Jones or something like that. What he does not deserve is threats on his life. And that's exactly what he's been getting. Amazingly, the Croat defender has been receiving death threats for him and his family on Twitter from his own fans. Get a fucking grip. Now I know why Liverpool's anthem is you'll never walk alone. It's because you need at least one security guard with you at all times. I know it's the minority of fans, and I know it will sicken most right-thinking Liverpool fans that it's even happening. But it's still shocking, and it's still unacceptable. And just like the racist abuse that was hurled at Raheem Sterling before Christmas, it needs to stop. I guess some of the blame for the extreme behaviour, however, has to go to Sergio Aguero, who viciously taunted the Liverpool fans after his goal. 
How did he taunt them exactly? Well, according to Neil Ashton of The Sun... The Argentine held up seven fingers as he sprinted away, taunting travelling Liverpool fans after scoring against them for the seventh time in a Premier League game at the Etihad. Brutal. The Fiend. Should be an instant yellow card for that kind of finger-holding up. Although, he didn't actually hold up seven fingers, did he? He held up six. Three on each hand in that traditional devil worship slash rock pose thing. Which, when you think about it, even if he was holding up seven fingers, it'd be a really weird way to hold up seven fingers. Surely you go for five on one and two on the other. Incidentally, it's the same way he taunted Cardiff and Southampton fans when he pulled off exactly the same celebration after scoring in those matches. Maybe it was to symbolise all six of the straws that the Sun Journal was actually grasping at when he wrote the paragraph and thus giving Liverpool fans a run for their money. Obviously, even with weird Liverpool fans and deranged Sun journalists, there are still some right-thinking people in football. Let's hear from one of them, calling Talk Sport after the match. I'm not being funny, we should have gone there, won the game and won the league. We've lost cup finals under this man, we've not won anything yet. We've thrown a real opportunity away. If, if we don't win the league, he's failed again. And you know he's failed again because he hasn't won anything. But you're Robbie, but Robbie the... you're not suggesting if you finish the season without anything, he'll go, are you? I think he should go, mate. Ah, oh, OK. Wow. Look, with all this negativity and hate, let's find a positive as always. And that positive has to be Pep Guardiola and the way he was talking about his players after the match. If right now you were looking for love in your life, then you could do a lot worse than finding someone that talks about you the way that Guardiola talks about his team. You know, this group of players deserve all my respect. They are the artists, the people come to see them, and they're heroes and legends for me as well. Hashtag relationship goals. But that wasn't all the football that's happened over the last seven days. Hot on the tails of that title decider was another great footballing cliche. The magic of the FA Cup, which this year seems to be about as magic as Paul Daniels is at the moment. The one thing we all love is the chance for a good giant killing. Or maybe when you listen to Lincoln Town manager Danny Cowell, that should actually be lion killing. This one coming off the back of four games in nine days is a huge challenge for us physically. I often speak to them about feeling leggy and if you were walking down the street and a, and a lion jumped out of a bush, you, you wouldn't feel leggy then, would you? So um, you, you'd, you'd run, and, and you'd run really fast. How do they train their players in the lower leagues? Sounds very stressful. Are we all sure that Millwall's Sean Hutchinson really missed the game this weekend after cutting his leg taking the rubbish out? Maybe he was taken out by a Jaguar during a game of five-a-side or something. <laughs> In the end, like most teams facing Premier League opposition, the bigger boys were just too big. Gillingham and Bristol City managed to upset the apple car after beating Cardiff and Huddersfield respectively, and that doesn't really count as a giant killing now, does it? Maybe a small giant. Hang on. Would a small giant just be like a big man? Like Marin Fellaini or something? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Blackpool probably gave the best attempt at not being beaten in the top flight as they took on Arsenal. Now, they knew they were never going to be able to match even Arsenal's young reserves, so they tried to stop them even getting to the game. A protest against the club's owners saw the Gunners team bus prevented from leaving the hotel as one Tangerines fan sat on the roof of the bus and refused to budge for 40 minutes. 
meaning Uriah Emery and co had to find alternative transport to the game. Keeping a bus parked for 40 minutes in an attempt to stop the opposition. We've not seen those kind of tactics since Jose Mourinho left Old Trafford. The biggest shock of the weekend wasn't the football on the pitch. It was the clothing in the studio. Tony Adams rocked up on BT Sport wearing a baby blue suit made from some kind of silky fuzzy material that apparently intrigued both the show's viewers and the host, Jake Humphreys. I'm not sure if this is the kind of question you're after on your show, but is Tony's suit moleskin or velour? The nation <laughs> awaits. What, what, what's the second thing? <laughs> velour. Velour. It's velvet. Is it? Yes, and it's groovy. It is groovy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome now to the studio, a man who lifted the FA Cup on three occasions with Arsenal, but also felt the humiliation of being knocked out in the third round of the competition. But Tony, what we really want to know is... Why have you come dressed as fucking Austin Powers? It's groovy. To be fair, it was quite a groovy suit. And if Man City do get to the final this year, they should definitely have it as their FA Cup garb. <whistles> the whole trend of the big boys beating the minnows, I guess, was kind of set by Tottenham on Friday night when they smashed Tranmere 7-0 in the first match of the weekend. A game in which Mauricio Pochettino showed absolutely no mercy, bringing on Harry Kane when they were already 6-0 up to score the final goal of the game and probably try and claim the other six. It was a move that was described as a little disrespectful by some people, but not by Pochettino, who thought it was quite the opposite. They are not going to have uh, many chances to see her game playing here, no? It was a respect, respect the people, respect the opponent, and to see Harry Kane, that is a, an icon in, in English football, um, I think it's important to, to see in action. It's not often you can actually hear someone being quite so disrespectful whilst talking about respect, is it? Here, have a look at our really good players. You've probably not seen anyone quite like this before at your shitty little club, have you? Speaking of showing a lack of respect, the best pre-match build-up tweet of this week goes to Ian Doyle from the Liverpool Echo, who tweeted from at Ian Doyle Sport ahead of the match. If you're a Tottenham fan, what are you hoping for this evening? Besides, of course, wishing that you didn't support Tottenham. Brilliant. But I'll tell you what Tottenham fans really want, Ian. They want a time machine to go back to 2016 and try not to hand the league title to Leicester City, conceding the best chance they've had of winning the league in years. They probably want a nice little FA Cup run, some dramatic performances, knowing that they will inevitably bottle it against the championship team in the semi-finals. But most of all, the one thing that Tottenham fans want, more than anything, is at some point, at any point this season, just to play a game in their own stadium. That's it, we're done. That is the show wrapped up for another week. Come back next week, or even better, hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts and we'll find you when the next podcast is ready. Please also do us a favour, leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts. It really does help. And give us a follow on Twitter, at On The Left Side. Go do that now and I'll go and do something else. Bye-bye. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson.